We doing? Anybody happy to be in church? That's good. Go ahead and pull out your Bibles. Pull out something to take notes with this morning. Open up your Bible to the book of, somebody shout it if you know, 2 Timothy. Bunch of A students in here. Way to go. Uh, like Trey said, we uh, obviously don't have Antioch kids open right now. We're not going to be having it open in July, but if your kids uh, need some extra space, we've made some adjustments to the, we call it the living room area out there. Uh, we've got some stuff out there to play for them to play with if they need it. The TV's on, the audio's on for streaming, or for not streaming, I mean, it's like right here. You can watch the service out there if you need to, is what I'm trying to say. So your kids are welcome in here, but if you're like, shoot, my kid's being crazy, we got a spot for you and for them, and you can still be at church. Technology, right? It's amazing. It's like on the other side of the wall. It's crazy. Jordan, can you believe it? He can't believe it. Second Timothy, if you're there, say I'm there. Second Timothy, uh-oh. Oh, forgot to turn on my uh, electronic notebook. That's okay, though. We are finishing up our series in 2 Timothy. We've been here for the last couple of weeks, and we've been hitting on uh, not just the themes of 2 Timothy, but as we've been talking, the themes of the New Testament as a whole, because uh, 2 Timothy is in the New Testament, the second part of the Bible, and uh, each of these books kind of share these common themes, and then that means that the New Testament as a whole shares common themes together as they were written to people like us who are trying to figure out how do we actually follow Jesus? How do we really do this? And I hope that you're here this morning because you're actually asking that question. If you're not here asking that question, at least you're here. You'll get it by osmosis. You know what I'm saying? Second Timothy, so we are going to read it and we're going to pray together and we're going to hear from God as we open up his word. I love how Austin shared it with us this morning as our service began. These are not just old words on old pages, but Jesus is alive today and he's ready to speak to you, even on a rainy, dreary morning such as this. So go ahead and stand up as we stand for the reading of the word of God. Second Timothy, we're going to be in chapter 4, which means you may need to turn a page to get to it from where you're at right now. Second Timothy 4, we're going to start in verse 6, and we're going to end all the way at the end. So, it's like so much Bible, I just don't know if, you can, if we can handle it. Okay, Second Timothy 4, verse 6. Let me get it ready, here we go. For I am already... Already. I want you to remember that. For I am already, I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. As we've been discussing, this was written by a man named Paul to his spiritual son named Timothy, and it is written to us today as well. And Paul is saying to his son, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Does anybody love the appearing of Jesus? Do your best to come to me soon. For Damas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. We've been reading the 101 Dalmatians in my house recently. So that reminded me of that. Verse 11, Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. Uh, we'll try this one. Tychicus, I have sent to Ephesus. 
When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas, also the books, and above all, the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. That's like the Christian way of cussing somebody out right there. <laughs> Beware of him yourself, for he strongly opposed our message. At my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet Prissa and Aquila and the household of Onesiphorus. Erastus remained at Corinth. And I left Trophimus, who was ill, at Miletus. Here we go. Do your best to come before winter. Do your best to come before winter. Do your best to come before winter. Eubulus sends greetings to you, as do Pudens, maybe, and Linus. I can get that one. And Claudia and all the brothers, the Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you. Can we pray this morning as we get started? Jesus, we do love you. And we submit these moments that we have together to you. And we invite you to come and speak to us. Speak to us here and now through your word. Speak to us now through your spirit, Lord. We thank you that you have been speaking to us. That you continue to speak to us as we come together on Sundays. We thank you for the opportunity to be back together in some form or fashion. We thank you for those who are online right now with us, and we thank you for this family that you are building and allowing us to be a part of. We thank you for this body. We just agree right now that this, that we are your body. You are our head. Your spirit is the breath in our lungs, so come and move us. Come and lead us. Come and speak to us this morning. And as we've prayed several times this morning already, come and do what only you can do. Lord, I thank you for everything in this room right now that we're bringing in that really are things that only you can do. Lord, everything that we're overwhelmed by, I say thank you right now. Thank you for the things that are too heavy. Thank you for the things that are too complicated. Thank you for the things that are too far out of our reach as a reminder that there are so many things that only you can do. And so we give to you this morning everything that only you can do. We give you our lives. We come with our expectation. But I'm praying that if we come with anything this morning, we might come with faith, ready to hear you, ready to be moved by you. So we present ourselves to you expecting that you do what only you can do. We're expecting for your word to say what only your word can say. We're expecting for miracles and breakthrough and salvation and signs and wonders that testify to the goodness of our God. And just, Lord, we pray right now, if there be anybody in here, anybody watching this who doesn't know you, Lord, I pray right now, starting now, they would know you're calling their name. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Go ahead and take a seat. Second Timothy chapter 4. We are going to, like I said, finish up our series here, talking about the three themes of Second Timothy, three themes of the New Testament. We have uh, hit on the first two, the last two weeks. Makes a lot of sense. Jesus is king, number one. Anybody encouraged this morning that Jesus is king? Jesus is king. Last week we talked about the truth and the theme of the New Testament that your life matters. 
Your life matters. And I want to share a message to you this morning, theme number three of 2 Timothy in the New Testament that I hope that we can all grasp and understand and hold near and dear to us this morning. The title for this morning's message, last week, your life matters. This week, your life is short. Your life is short. One of the things that most people fear the most is dying. Maybe you're afraid of dying. So many people are afraid of so many things in regards to dying. And yet, as we read our text this morning, Paul is writing his final letter to the person that he loves most in this world. And he doesn't know if he's ever going to see this person again. He knows that he's coming to the end of his life. And as he sees death approaching him, knowing that he can do nothing about its arrival And his departure that is coming, Paul writes confidently. Paul stands confidently. Paul speaks confidently for uh, chapter 4, verse 6. For I am already being poured out. As long as the road has seemed, the end is already here. I am already being poured out. The time of my departure has come. This is what we know about death, is it, it, it comes. It, it's not invited. Paul, Paul is saying, I, I, didn't, I didn't have a say in the matter. It, is, it has come. The, the departure is coming. I didn't invite it. I, I can't control my departure. I, I wasn't consulted on the matter, but what I do know is that the time of my departure, it has come. It has come, and I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race, and I have kept the faith. In some of these parting words, he says, son, it's been a fight. It has been a fight. I I don't know if I've won that fight, but I know I've fought it. Son, it's it's been a race. It's been a long race, and I don't know that I could stand here and tell you that I, I have won it, but I have run it. He says, I have kept the faith. I haven't always understood this faith, but I can stand here saying I've kept it. I have held on tight. I have kept this faith. And he carries on. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. What confidence Paul speaks with. What confidence he writes with. What confidence he stands with in the end. When you die, when, when you die, you will stand before the righteous judge. And if you have rejected the grace from this righteous judge, he will righteously judge you according to your sin. Because in that moment, what else could a righteous judge do but to bring justice against what is not right? If you have received this grace, you will be judged not as a sinner, but as a child of God. And you will give an account for what you did with this free new life that he gave to you. And in that moment, in that moment, Paul says, on that day, you will know beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus is king. You will know beyond a shadow of a doubt that your life mattered and Jesus will give you an eternal reward for what you did with your life that was short. 
Perspective. Perspective. Perspective is a powerful thing. Perspective is what makes it possible for, for, for two people to look at the same thing but still see it two different ways. Is there anything in your world right now, maybe by a long stretch, that you might be looking at the same thing as somebody else but seeing it slightly different ways? Perspective is powerful. It's what makes it possible for people to experience the same circumstance but have two different responses. Perspective is what makes it possible for people to live, for example, potentially, hypothetically, in the same country and see it in two very different ways. What makes it possible for people to stand for the same things but live it out in different ways, for people to stand and believe in the same values but say it slightly different ways, perspective is a powerful thing. Perspective is a powerful thing, and it has the power, as we know in our world, perspective. When you introduce perspective into a situation, it has so much power that it can even make facts somewhat foggy, depending on how you look at them. I think that in these polarized times that we are living in, that I would submit to us this morning that more often than not, it is uh, worth our time and worth at least as much of our time and effort to uh, put, or it's worth it to put at least as much time and effort in our lives into understanding people's perspectives. At least as much time and effort into understanding people's perspectives. At least as much effort as we put into making sure they understand our facts. Paul has been on a long journey, a long journey. But now as he approaches his departure, or maybe more appropriately as he says it, as his departure approaches him, he's getting perspective. He's getting perspective that this life that has taken a lifetime to live, in the end, is short. It's short. And it's this perspective that as Paul closes out this letter to his son Timothy, as the word of God speaks to us this morning, it is this perspective that we see, this perspective starts to bring some clarity to some of the things that have made life feel so long. It is in the light of how short life is that Paul begins to get clarity on some of the things that sure made life feel long. Verse chapter, or verse chapter, that doesn't make any sense. Verse number 10 through 11, he says, For Damas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia. Titus has gone to Dalmatia. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he's very useful to me for ministry. On this long journey of his short life, Paul has learned some things. Paul has learned something very important that he shares with us as we sit here today. He shares with us that on this long journey, some people come, some people go, some people stick around, some people come back around. On his long journey, Paul has learned some things. And we first speak about Damis, who he brings up here in verse 10. For Damis, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. We don't know a whole lot about Damas, but what we know right here is that at least Paul and Damas used to run around together. 
They used to be buddies. They used to be partners in this. They used to do what they were doing. Paul used to have a partner in Damas, but now Damas has deserted him. Damas, uh, not just a friend, not just an acquaintance, but a partner, somebody close. We were fighting for the same things. We were running in the same direction. We went through some of the same hardships and heartaches. We celebrated some of the same victories, but now he has deserted me. He has deserted me. And as you must know, we can assume this for Paul. He wouldn't say it if it didn't hurt. You know, it, it must have hurt when Damas left. It must have hurt when he got deserted. But there's so much wisdom in a little phrase that we have in this sentence in front of us. So much wisdom in this little phrase, in love with this present world. In love with this present world. Damas, in love with this present world, has deserted me. I would imagine that when Damas left, there was probably some words exchanged. We could say it nicely. That's the church way of saying it, right? The church way of talking about a breakup. There were some words exchanged. There were some things that were said. Am I ringing real bad? Okay, sorry. Do I need to change the mic? Okay. Bear with us. Um, when Damas left, there were some words exchanged. There were some hurtful things said. And uh, let's be honest, you wouldn't call it deserting if it didn't end ugly. It wouldn't be deserting me if we agreed to it. <laughs> it wouldn't be deserting if it went both ways. If it was mutual. Tracking with me? <laughs> it probably ended ugly and it probably ended personal because that's, that's how deserting ends. It ends personal. I mean, we can't read the Bible and think that drama is anything new to us, right? Drama is as old as all of us. <laughs> Drama's been around as long as people have been around. So we've got some drama going on here. But what Paul is saying when he says, Damas, in love with this present world, is he is saying in his wisdom and in his perspective, Damas deserted me, but I understand that it really didn't have anything to do with me. Are we paying attention this morning? There's some deep stuff in all of this that'll go real far for us if we can pay attention this morning. Damas deserted me, but I understand it didn't really have anything to do with me. See, there are a lot of times that people will leave you and they will make it about you, but the truth is there's more to the story. People will desert you and they will make it about you, but there is more to the story. They take it out on you, but it wasn't about you. They shouted at you about you, but it wasn't about you. They leave you, but it's not really about you. They blame you, but it's not really about you. And Paul says, you know what? Life, life's too short. Life's too short for me to carry something that wasn't even ever really about me. We need to have this wisdom that comes from this perspective. We need to have this wisdom to understand that many times when someone leaves, it's not because they're running away from you. It's just because they're chasing something else. Damas didn't run away from Paul. He ran chasing something else. He fell in love with something else. He gave himself to something else. See, some people who you thought would stay aren't going to stay. Some things that you didn't think were going to change are going to change. Some things that you think right now you can count on are going to let you down, and it's going to hurt. And there will be a time to work through those things. And then there will be a time when you have to remember that life is short. 
Life is short and that no matter how hard you may reach, no matter how hard you may reach, it is impossible to hold on to things, hold on to people, hold on to circumstances, hold on to seasons, hold on to chances, hold on to challenges, hold on to realities, and hold on to mistakes that aren't even there anymore. Damus left to chase something out, and it hurts you, but life's too short to make it about you. Verse 11 ends with another person that Paul brings up. He says, Luke alone is with me, but get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful for me. He is useful, very useful to me in the ministry. If you know anything about Paul and Mark, we talked about this, I think, about a year ago in a message. But Paul and Mark, uh, they had some history. They had some history together. And uh, that's, the again, the church way of talking about drama. <laughs> They had some history. <laughs> Things went way back <laughs> with Paul and with Mark. They, they used to run around the world together, kind of like Paul and Damas. Back in the day, it was Paul and Mark. So on some of Paul's first missionary journeys, it was Paul and Mark. They were going around the world together. They were doing all kinds of things together. And they kind of had, after all that first trip, they kind of had a bit of a falling out. Again, like we talked about last week, we can't read the Bible like it's the Instagram version of life. There's drama everywhere. Paul and Mark had had some drama. They had had some falling out. And the truth is that Damas left Paul, but it was actually Paul who had left Mark. It was actually Paul who had left Mark all those years ago. And when life is short, Paul is realizing that when I understand that my life is short, it starts to bring some perspective to my pride and my pettiness. It brings some perspective to my pride and my pettiness. You know, the, oh, don't bring her up. Uh, oh, no, do not invite him. Oh, if they're going to be there, I'm not going to be there. You know what I'm talking about? I know you don't know what I'm talking about, but you know people who would know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you know, you, you get that response from somebody. Oh, so-and-so's coming. Oh, he's coming? I'm not coming. Oh, wow, really? Why not? What, what happened? Oh, it's a long, come on, it's a long story. It's a long story. Wow. How did it start? What, what happened? You know, I'm actually not so sure exactly how it started anymore. But it was not me. <laughs> Timothy, bring Mark with you. Bring Mark with you when you come. Because whatever it was... It's really not worth it anymore. <laughs> it was such a big deal back then, but it's not worth it anymore. It mattered so much back then, but it doesn't really matter anymore. I've learned that there's actually, there is so much more that matters so much more. Too much good work to do. Too much life to live together. There's so much opportunity ahead. Life's too short for my pettiness that divided us. Life's too short for my pride that keeps me from reaching out to him. Life is too short. Timothy, I know it's been a while, but would you get Mark and bring him with you? After all this time, I'd realize I, I actually kind of like him. I think I actually kind of like Mark. And, and really, more than that, I can see now, 
that as the end of all of this draws near, that I actually really need Mark. I really need him. It's just not worth it anymore. Would you bring Mark? Verse 14 and 15, Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. And the Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware of him yourself, for he strongly opposed our message. This is interesting. As we learn about Alexander the coppersmith here, see, Damis that we read about, Damis was really disappointing. It was really disappointing when Damis left. But Alexander actually did some real damage. How many of you know, not, not everything that hurts necessarily does all that much damage, but, but sometimes, sometimes something can come along, somebody can come along and actually do some real damage. And that, that's what we're learning about from Alexander. Alexander, he, he actually, he did me a lot of harm. It didn't just hurt, he brought harm. And we learn a couple of pieces of wisdom here in this perspective that life is short. There is wisdom in realizing from the response here that even when there is real damage, it is still better to let God handle the repayment. It is still better to, help, to let God handle the repayment than spend your short life trying to sort it all out yourself. He did me great harm. The Lord repay him. The Lord repay him. Life's too short for me to spend it repaying him. I'm going to give this one to the Lord. It really did hurt. It really did bring harm, but the repayment is up to the Lord. Life's too short to spend it, try, to, to spend it trying to repay the people who brought me harm. And, 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 somebody say and, and, and we learn more wisdom. Life's too short to spend it trying to repay all those people who hurt me, and life is too short to stick around them. Life is too short to stick around them and let them keep hurting me. Somebody agree with wisdom? I know it's rainy outside. Life's too short to stick around and let them keep hurting you. He said he strongly opposed our message. The pain he causes will keep you from your calling, Timothy. The pain that he causes is, is not, just, it's not just pain, it's actually harm. And it's going to keep you from what you're called to. See, we're all people. I don't know if you know that, recognize that, but we like to recognize that around in church because sometimes we walk into church thinking it's going to be perfect, but then you realize it's full of people, and you're like, ugh, people, and then you realize, oh, it's people like you, <laughs> people like me. See, we're all people, and we're like, wow, here we are, all of us people, and none of us are perfect. And, and like we talked about last week, we're all growing up, right? We're all growing up, and that means that along the way, we're going to hurt each other. We're, we're, we're going to cause some problems for each other. I, Nobody's nodding like you've ever been caused a problem by a person. Okay, we're going to cause some problems for each other, and, and, and a lot of that needs to be worked through together as we grow in relationship. Have, have you learned something that's, uh, that sometimes is what hurts that actually can end up bringing the best depth in relationship? So it's not worth it to just run away from somebody just because it hurt. We don't run away from something just because it hurt. There's actually a lot of opportunity in the hurt. There's a lot of opportunity for relationship and intimacy and history in the hurt. And we need to have grace for each other. And we need to have grace for ourselves as we continue to grow up as people. Can somebody say amen if you need grace as you continue to grow up? But pain and injury are not the same thing. Pain and injury are not the same thing. There is a fight to fight. There is a race to run. There is a faith to keep. And the injuries sustained by some people cost you your ability to run that race. 
cost you your ability to fight that fight. And that ability is far too valuable for you to allow them to take it from you. That's what Paul's saying. Alexander the coppersmith, he caused me great harm. I'm going to let the Lord repay him, but you stay away from him. A lot of wisdom. A lot of wisdom in this. I have to remember that Jesus is my king. Jesus is king. He is the king of me, and he is the king of everybody else. He is the king of the world, and I am accountable to him. So I've got to remove myself from anything that keeps me from moving forward in the thing he gave me to do. He greatly opposed our message. Stay away from him because God's given you assignment. Jesus is the king, and you're accountable to him. And I also have to remember that people are accountable to him as well. And that's what sets me free. People are accountable to him as well, so he will execute the justice that is needed in the end. Your life is too short for you to give it to the people who keep you from what you're called to. Verse 16. At my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul's saying it's been a long road. It's been a long road. People have come. People have gone. People have come back around. It's been a long road, but I've learned that life is short. And in the end, my life, it's all for the glory of God. As I look back now over my life, as I look forward and the road forward is so much shorter than the road traveled, I find myself with one cry in my heart, oh, glory to God forever and ever, amen. Let that be the one thing as he says, eternity is coming soon. Eternity is coming soon and the same righteous judge who will award me my crown will bring justice to everything and to everyone. So I'm just gonna let it go. I'm just going to let it go and hold on to the one thing that is for me to hold on to. With the short time I have left, I would rather put all that, all that. I would rather put all that with this short time I have left into God's hands and spend my few moments here focusing on the goodness and the faithfulness of God. There's been so much that has hurt. There has been so much that I've had to fight for. There's been so much I've held on to. There's been so much I haven't understood. There's been so many who haven't done what I thought that they were going to do, but glory to God. Forever and ever, amen. I'm not going to spend this short life, these last few moments that I have here focusing on what wasn't done and who wasn't there. I will give my life these short moments that I have to focus on the one who has always stood with me, who has always strengthened me, who has always found a way to use me, who will never forsake me. Oh, in the end, this is short. And at the end of my road, I find myself saying Simply glory to God forever and ever. Amen. He has always been there. We could go on and on about who wasn't there. At my trial, no one was there. We could spend our moments here listing off who wasn't there, but let's focus on who was there. The Lord stood with me. As I look back at the lonely moments, the Lord stood with me. As I look back on my weak moments, the Lord strengthened me. As I look back on the moments I didn't know if I was going to get through them, God got me through them. As I look back at the moments that I thought God had deserted me, it turns out he was using me. Glory to God. This life has been short and my God has found a way to use every bit of it. Glory to God. 
forever and ever. Amen. Amazing perspective. As Paul closes in verse 21, he says this, do your best to come before winter. In verse 9, Paul says, do your best to come to me soon. And he echoes again this request, this one last request in this one last letter, this one last sentence, this one last reaching out to his son Timothy, do your best to come before winter. And I believe it is an exhortation that Paul did not write to Timothy. This is an exhortation from the king to his church this morning. Do your best to come before winter. Earlier, as we read, Paul asked for his coat because he knew that winter was coming. He knew that winter was coming and he's in prison and he's not getting out and he knows that it's going to be cold. So he is telling Timothy, would you bring me my coat because winter is coming. But metaphorically, Paul also knows that he, and he understands that he is in the autumn of his life and winter is coming soon. And it is this simple sentence, sentence that brings one of the most powerful charges to us this morning. One of the most powerful charges in this whole letter. Paul is saying, whatever needs to be done, do your best to do it now. My friends, my church, life is short. If you need to let go of Damas, do it now. If you need to reach out to Mark, do it now. If you need to remove yourself from Alexander, do it now. If you need to give God what is God so that you can do what is yours, do it now. Don't wait too long. Winter is coming. Whatever God has invited you to do in this season, do it now. Whoever God has given you to love in this season, do it now. Whatever God has given you to build in this season, do it now. Whatever God has put in front of you to respond to his instruction in this season, do it now. Whatever you have to do to cultivate hunger for God in this season, do it now. I know life goes so slowly, but your life is short. So much can wait until things get back to normal. So much can wait until spring comes. So much can wait until tomorrow when the sun rises again. But I have a question for you this morning, church. What can't? What can't? What can't wait? What can't wait until spring? What can't wait until the sun rises tomorrow? What if it doesn't? What can't? Do it now. Do your best. The Word of God exhorts you this morning. Do your best to do it now. I want you to stand as we close this morning and we respond together. And as we stand, I want you to hear this morning, when this faith is a fight, there is a reward for fighting it. When this faith is a race, there is a reward for running. When this faith is easy to lose, there is a reward for keeping it. And on that day, you will stand 
And on that day, you will stand before your king, the righteous judge, who will award to you a crown of righteousness. And for all of eternity, there will be no more fight to fight. There will be no more race to run. And the faith that you fought so hard to hold on to won't take any faith anymore. So this morning, church, understand that your life is short. And we must respond by understanding that whatever matters most on that day, do it now. Whatever will matter most then, do it now. Whatever will matter most when winter has come, do it now. I'm going to pray for us as we worship and respond. And we're going to have some of our prayer team up here. And don't leave without doing whatever it is that you need to do. Making whatever decision it is that you need to make. Settling in your heart whatever needs to be settled. Responding to God however he needs to be responded to. What is the Lord putting in front of you this morning? I simply charge you this morning, whatever it is, do it now. Do it now. Jesus, we love you. And we invite you into these moments as we close our time together. We love you and we invite you to speak. Pray that you would put a proper perspective into our hearts right now. That whatever we have the opportunity to do with you in this season, I pray that we would do it and we would do it now. So move us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.